sleepovers are one of those things that, as an adult, no matter how much you might want it, it's just never a good idea. Your 10-year-old back could take a sleeping bag on the floor, but now it can't. And any futon you're lucky enough to grab likely has a rod right down the middle. And that's to say nothing of when your mortal enemy, Jim Harbaugh, is three feet away, tucked into his own khaki maize and blue sleeping roll up to his chin. That's where Cal and Mason found themselves the first night they met Marcus face-to-face. That's where we start this week's episode. Harbaugh snores, but it's like in play calls. Like, hut, 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 hut. It was all I could do to not smother him with one of the duvet covers. Cal, Mason, and Harbaugh had taken over the living room of Marcus's house. They'd spent the day with the Davis family, as had Harbaugh. It was their first official recruiting visit, and they'd just finished dinner. It was a large meal. Ribs, pulled pork, corn on the cob, collard greens, potatoes, mashed and baked, sweet tea, adult versions available. Mrs. Davis had said that if she was going to have the two parties sleep over at her house, as had become a de facto part of recruiting by that time, then she was only going to cook one meal for them. Cook she did. I couldn't sleep for two hours because I was digesting so hard. Not that it was a problem. Harbaugh went through his one-hour football yoga course right there in the living room floor. I was trying to read Game of Thrones on Kindle, and Mason was on Twitter, tweeting other recruits. Then there was just this beige blur in the dark thrusting at me. He was staring at me as he did cow pose Wolverine modification, which is basically he just goes on all fours and then gnashes his teeth at you during the exhale. We had exchanged some words during dinner. Harbaugh said something about Mason's prison diet. Then Mason asked him if he got all his protein from fetuses. Wow. Uh, We were both told that we would get no dessert and we had to do the dishes. I thought, whatever, I'm a grown adult, but it was fucking cobbler, man. Delicious. I had seconds. And thirds. I eat your cobbler. I drink Harbaugh's milkshake. And how did you think dinner with the family went? Not positive. My phone went off almost as soon as we sat down and Mrs. Davis shot daggers at me. Fucking Mason got a pretty heavy buzz on. I thought I had the non-alcoholic teas. I swear to God that pleated asshole roofied me with sweet, delicious vodka. So, yeah, the bounces weren't going our way. We came in playing from behind. Mrs. Davis wanted Marcus to go to college. It was safe. And right there in front of her was the human version of safety. Cal and Mason awoke not to an alarm per se, but the rhythmic beats of Jim Harbaugh power washing the gutters. This was after remulching the garden and filling in a crack at the bottom of the driveway. And we walk into the kitchen and he just stared at us over a box of donuts, each with blue and maize icing, and said, with all the condescension in the world, boys, we were not prepared for this. How? It was an onslaught of generosity. I've talked to plenty of families in recruiting. I know what works, what doesn't. I know when to clean a gutter. But this was a different game. Also, when are you on a trip with a rival coach? And what are the odds of it being a coach who could have coached Pop Warner in Nazi Germany? We were at a point where we really need to step it up. He was schooling us. Yes, pun intended. And unlike that joke, we couldn't be too desperate. Mothers can smell desperation on you like T-Rexes can't see you when you sit still. So what did you do? You tell him. This is my nightmare. We got the whole family a vacation house in the Florida Keys with four prepaid trips. So you got the recruiting equivalent of a gift card at Christmas. Yeah, we got desperate. 
we figured the NCAA couldn't throw cash and lavish gifts at the problem, but we can, and that we thought would give us a leg up. It made us look like assholes. Mrs. Davis is a fantastic woman, but I can't unsee the look she gave me when I tried to buy her son away from her. It was a long trip home from Texas. Mason and Cal struck out on the family visit, and Jim Harbaugh left with a twinkle in his dead shark eyes. It appeared Marcus was further away than before he was even on their radar. Further muddying the waters were campus visits. Marcus was scheduled to visit Michigan two weeks afterward. We heard about that and tried to get him beforehand to get any sort of advantage, but we couldn't make it work. And welcome Greg back to the show. We end up watching YouTube videos, Vines, Snapchats, Insta reels of him walking around the field, laughing with other recruits. This 17-year-old is having a grand old time at the big house while we're watching clips of him in our basement with leftover Skyline chili. Harbaugh was manhandling us, which I hate to envision, but we needed to wow this kid. We need to show him that, yeah, the NCAA will shower you with love, but the second you're not needed, see you later. Those guided tours, field passes, free gutter cleanings, they only go so far. This was new territory for Cal and Greg. They'd had a handful of four- and five-star recruits jump ship to the ACL, and they both knew it wasn't because of recruiting visits like that one. After a few days of sulking and too much chili, any amount of chili, really, they said they, quote, snapped out of it. They knew they had to make another call. We left five voicemails, 13 texts, a FaceTime request, and more emojis than any grown man should send to a teenager's phone. It felt like I was in high school again, waiting on a crush to holler back at me. If we still had corded phones, we would have been twirling that shit between our fingers for days. Did Marcus call you back? Yeah, but I'm pretty sure it was just because we wouldn't leave him alone. And maybe he realized that since we didn't have any of the NCAA's recruiting restrictions... That no one follows anyways. Then Marcus decided to give us a pity date. No one loves a pity date, but my god, is it easy to exceed expectations. They sent Marcus a round-trip business class ticket from Texas to the site of the most advanced player rec center in the league and the all-around center of the ACL universe, Fresno, California. Jointly built by the Princess of Darkness, Amy Trask, and the Prince of Hoodies, Mark Zuckerberg, the Fresno Frenzy Player Wellness Center was a three-story complex, part dorm, part lounge, part classroom, and part ball pit. Players could take finance classes or naps. They could learn how to make chicken cordon bleu or a strong business plan. They could play ping pong on the table in the reading room, or on the table in the kitchen, or on the two tables in the bathrooms. Why not take them to... I don't know, a field or a game or something. And, and why Fresno? We thought about it, but we figured there's not much we could do in terms of overwhelming the atmosphere of a home game at the big house. Plus, have you ever taken a deep breath in Fresno? No. Incredible. If we were going to convince Marcus, it was going to have to be with something only the ACL could do. And we knew Fresno had the first pick. If he went with us, we wanted him to know exactly what he was walking into. So the first thing we wanted to do was have him meet some of the guys. Uh, which was easy because they were all just hanging out all at once. No coaches, no admin, just them. Oh, and uh, Chef Ramsey. The players love him. We took him over to Carson Toomey, one of the league's best receivers in his first year in Fresno. We lucked the fuck out that they were both from Houston, and they immediately dropped into West Texas accents, started talking about steaks or big hats or something. I don't know. I'm, I'm from Jersey. They went on a tour of the rec center, Cal and Greg taking care to point out every rock wall, quiet room, and juice bar they passed. They sat in on a class on the philosophy of Game of Thrones. Cal and Greg explained the process in whispers at the back of the room. Eight hours of class per week and an active spot on a roster was all you needed to get your check. Direct deposit, of course. 
but they still wanted to drive the point home that money wasn't all they were offering. I'll admit that I was getting a little nervous, and I may have been hammering the money aspect of it a little too hard. I even wrote his likely salary down on a note and tried to pass it over to Marcus. Sorry, I still have those fear dreams about teachers and forgetting your homework. I decided it was time for a power move. The professor, on loan from Fresno State, just finished explaining Jon Snow's lineage when I stood up and asked the class for the room. Couldn't you have just left? I mean, yeah, but I've always wanted to ask for a room. Cal and Greg tried to level with Marcus. Cal said it wasn't any secret he was great, probably a very great football player. And as long as he didn't get three concussions in the next year, he was going to get drafted and make buttloads of cash in the NFL. But the decision before him now was whether he wanted to put that talent to work for himself or for an institution that might not give two flips about him the second he wasn't making the money. Fucks. I'm sorry? Fucks. Not flips. I said fucks. All right, we'll make sure we get it right in editing. How did he, how did he take that? He sort of had this little smile and he nodded. He looked around the room and at the board where the lineage of Jon Snow is laid out in a corkboard and string like he's wanted for murder. And then he laughed. He said, if the only math I have to do is R plus L equals J, that ain't bad. Major nerd cred. The next month was a long one for them. Marcus had put the word out to both the NCAA and the ACL that he would make a decision by signing day, a signal Cal and Greg weren't exactly thrilled with. We had to redirect our focus to year three of our league. We couldn't get lost in Marcus. We had other recruits coming in. We had business to attend to. Having his decision looming over us didn't make the work easier, but it had to get done. I'd get in at eight, scour Twitter until nine, catch up on email, catch up on Twitter, have a meeting, look at Twitter eat lunch and check Twitter, make calls while checking Twitter, eat a stress bag of trail mix, and leave it for. It was rough. And then it was signing day. Cal and Greg had both gotten used to sleeping only three hours a night, or not at all. So they weren't even aware it was signing day when the sun rose on March 2nd, 2018. They had a breakfast of whiskey with coffee in it, tapped open Twitter with fingers shaking for once not because of a hangover, and they sat down to wait. The call came around noon. Marcus? Uh, n- uh, no. No, not Marcus. It was Arian Foster, a player whose retirement was as sudden as his rise. The former All-Pro rushing champ was one of the ACL's first founders and biggest fans. And Marcus Davis was one of his. He said he's been trying to gently push Marcus our way, but he isn't budging. Marcus is being stubborn as hell. We don't hold it against him. Hell, if that were us, we'd be changing our mind every other morning. But Foster just said to keep doing what we're doing, and it'll happen. And that's pretty much it. Really? Yup. We still don't have a decision. Wait, are you serious? You don't? Nope. Then why the hell are you on my show? The amount of times I've asked myself that very same question. Okay, do you have an inkling? I mean, I can read as much into Marcus's tweets and Instagram posts as I can into tea leaves and constellations. That doesn't mean I should. But it doesn't mean I don't. As much as I believe in us, I know a lot of people don't. If Marcus isn't totally on board, he's not going to come with us. If I was in his shoes, I don't know if I'm 100% sure i pick us. So how are you holding up, like, mentally? About as well as you'd expect. Interesting. Are, 
Are you afraid you'll be sunk if he commits to Michigan? And that's where we stand. As of this recording, June 7th, 2018, the sports world still awaits the decision of Marcus Davis. We might be here next week. With what? I have no idea. Might be an NPR clip show, a telethon, might just be 10 minutes of ads. Speaking of which... This episode is brought to you by The N-Watch. Have a friend who can't tell the difference between joking around and actually being racist? Get The N-Watch. The N-Watch responds to physiological symptoms of preemptive white guilt. If you have a friend who too often starts sentences with, I'm not racist, but... or looks around the room for minorities before speaking, The N-Watch will respond to your quickened pulse and sudden perspiration, deliver a pleasant vibration, and remind you of the five-second window you have to change a course of conversation. Meanwhile... The 2.5-inch LED screen offers topics and subjects based on the friend's Redbox rental activity. Offers before July 4th come with a free My Friend is Racist intervention kit. And enter code HURRYUP for your $10 off of your first purchase. The N-Watch, because it's always time to check your privilege.